to Nerds of the Round Table, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. And I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we're venturing back into experimental territory. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe we'll make sense this time. Maybe. Good pull. <laughs> Last time we had stopped making sense, so hopefully this time we'll be a little more coherent. Well, um, what we're doing this week is very different than anything we've ever done before. And it's inspired by Jim's uh, most recent guest appearance. When he was here for High Fidelity, he said that High Fidelity was one of his Mount Rushmore movies. And that just kind of got, you know, some thinking going on, you know, some pondering. And I thought, you know, what are my Mount Rushmore movies? And I thought, well, okay, what are Sammy's? What are Dwayne's? Mm-hmm. Like, we need to do this. And we're not just like, you know, on our messenger, you know, Text group, you know, group. We actually need to. Oh, that would be a great episode to talk about what our Mount Rushmore movies are, and, and so that's what we're doing tonight. We're going to talk about our Mount Rushmore movies, and then um, we'll have a surprise for the Keanu connection. That's going to be different this week as well. But before we get to Mount Rushmore, before we head to the Black Hills of, is it North Dakota or South Dakota? One of the Dakotas. Some somewhere in the upper Midwest, near 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 Canada. Uh, before we do that. We're going to keep it 100. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. All right. Well, I'm leading off this uh, keeping it 100. And uh, I don't know. Sometimes I'm way off the wagon, but sometimes I, I like to connect my keeping it 100, much like we like to connect Keanu here. I like to connect my keeping it 100 to what we're talking about a little bit really difficult for this episode because we're kind of pulling the smorgasbord in with our with our round uh, round table rushmore but uh, on netflix i discovered uh, which is pretty up on the uh, the popularity thing there the last blockbuster you know we're talking about different movies you can go to blockbuster and find anything but so now they're down to just one store in bend oregon this talks about the history of the company really focusing down to that final store the only one left and is their contract going to be renewed or is it not and and how it ends up there is it's kind of a cliffhanger has james arnold taylor kevin smith ron funches all of these great uh, actors and uh, comedians you even have the owner of trauma films on there for half a hot minute and he's absolutely insane. But uh, I highly recommend this. The last blockbuster brings back so much nostalgia for being able to go somewhere and have a physical media. You know, we, I think we've lost it so much with our streaming. Mm-hmm. But the last blockbuster. Nice. That's on Netflix, right? Netflix, yep. Cool. Yeah, you know, I've got so many fond memories of going to the video store and picking out, you know, five for five kind of deal mm-hmm. and just, you know, what's my weekend going to be right here? So, yeah, yeah. And some of these guys even talk about like having to you know, go to the store and renting the player for the weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, you remember when you would go and rent a player because not every home had one, yeah. nope. uh, you know, in, in, the, in the mid to late 80s. It really wasn't until the 1990s and it kind of became a thing to have and uh, it's very interesting in how they would go you know well, you, you pick something your sister picks something you know i'll pick something and how they how they talk about how that has affected them in their careers and 
you know, the, 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 especially, you know, at one point in the, in the thing, they actually hand these people a blockbuster case, you know, the plastic <laughs> shell. Yes. And you just watch these people light up and play with it and, f- you know, fondle it for want of a better word. <laughs> just, it's so interesting. Just, so much fun. Just remember, be kind, rewind. rewind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and blockbuster, when Netflix was a thing, they talk about that blockbuster, you know, done that no late fees or no yeah. rewind fees and yep. how that affected their them as a company mm-hmm. yeah my mom worked for a video rental place for a while and I, I mean I loved it I loved going in and like helping her clothes and just getting to scan the shelves Very all I wanted interesting people writing my name on the back of the posters so that when they came down to put the new posters up those would come home to my house <laughs> yep. go up to my bedroom yeah yeah it was you <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess I am next up for keeping it 100, and I'll start my timer. You know, for many years, I've heard so many criticisms of Superman. He's too perfect. He's boring. He's too powerful. So, for this week's Keeping It 100, I've got to pitch the new television series that shows all the haters what Superman can be, and that is Superman and Lois. Uh, which debuted February 23rd on the CW. Now, it is part of the Arrowverse, and, you know, I know that can get a little iffy sometimes. But um, Tyler Hoechlin is a fantastic version of the Man of Steel. Um, All the tenets that make Superman great are here, the heart, the altruism, the sense of duty at the core. Um, But what we also get is a fallible father and husband. Um, somebody who tries his best and sometimes he still can't get it right with his sons. Uh, that's right. Superman and Lois have twin teen age boys on this show. So you can only imagine. Um, Bitsy Toilet plays Lois. She definitely holds her own. Um, also has a little bit of a Margot Kidder vibe. So that's kind of cool. We get the little bit of CW angstiness with the teens, but that's kind of part of it. That's the family dynamic of teens, as I'm sure my co-hosts can agree to. Um, But it is definitely a fresh take on our Kryptonian Crusader, and that's why uh, Superman and Lois is this week's Keeping It 100. I haven't watched it yet, but uh, it was explained to me that that the couple playing Superman and Lois are so good that they keep it from just turning into Kryptonian Riverdale. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that that would be about it. If you just left it up to the, the, the... the teens, it would be Kryptonian <laughs> Riverdale. Yeah, I agree completely. But uh, like I said, Tyler Hoechlin and, and Bitsy Tolick both are just so great at what they do. You know, and it goes back to Smallville, and it's a different version of Smallville than we've seen. It feels more real. You know, it, it's not Superman 3 Smallville. Mm. So. <laughs> Those are the better parts of Superman 3, though. <laughs> or the Smallville. <laughs> Smallville. <laughs> I loved that TV show. I loved it too. For about five years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, my keeping one here this week is a different overpowered comic book character. Um, Amazon Prime has begun releasing the Invincible animated TV series. And it's based on the comic books by Robert Kirkman and Corey Walker and Ryan Otley. Did I have the artist right? Sounds about right. I'm looking at Sammy. Sounds about right. Um, uh, don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, the comic books are really good. I, I love Robert Kirkman. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's in the tier right below, Je- the tier that has Jeff Lemire in it by himself. Um, 
it's it's a great comic book series, and the an, the animated series they've they've done the animation so it looks like the comics. Hmm. So it's, so if you so if you're a fan of Invincible, and there are a lot of them, a lot of people who are fans because it was a, ran forever, and you know it sold tons of copies. It has the look and the feel of the comic, and it feels like Robert Kirkman. Um, I I will give a warning though; it does look cartoony. It is not a kid cartoon. This is not Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> this is by the guy who created The Walking Dead, and he has things he likes to do. It, it's a Robert Kirkman cartoon. Um, but it's good, and it's surprising, and they've tinkered a little bit with the story. So even if you've read the comics, there's still some surprises there. A few little things that play out differently. And so, um, and it's just good. You don't have to read the comic books. It's just a good show. And so I highly recommend, don't watch it with your kids, but <laughs> find, find some time, watch Invincible. It's a great time, and it's on Amazon Prime. Oh, and the first three episodes dropped for the first week. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, I'm really interested in, in watching that. I've heard lots of good things about the, the series anyway, and um, I've heard good things about the animation in the trailer when it first released, and I was like, oh, that looks really good. Well, they did kind of a, a little bit of a Spider-Verse thing where the, the animation is done to resemble the mm-hmm. comic series. And so it does, like, it, it's seamless. It, it feels just like the same art from the comics. Cool. Um, but, cool. yeah, it's <laughs> it's really good. I can't stress enough. Don't watch it with your kids. <laughs> it's kind of like Harley Quinn animated series, right? In different ways. Right. But, but still, not, <laughs> oh, not kid-friendly. Gotcha. Oh, my. Well, as we're, uh, you know, playing around with our uh, format and what's going on here, uh, we don't necessarily have any opening thoughts and grades. These, needless to say, were probably all A-plus movies to us. So let's go ahead and get into our minivan, drive out to the Dakotas, and hike up to Mount Rushmore. Graphically novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the Brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel, three brothers who like each other but love comics. All right. Was it, hold on, was there, wasn't there a scene, was it Men in Black 2 that had a scene on Mount Rushmore? I'm, I'm thinking there was some sci-fi movie where somebody was fighting aliens <laughs> on top of those faces. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. Wasn't it, um, oh, I know, what was it? Wasn't one of the Terminators? I don't, know. I don't remember, but there's some sci-fi movie where the, I don't know, that popped in my yes. head as we were, <laughs> started recording. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, why not? Sorry. Alrighty. Well, uh, you know, as we, as we talked about, you know, these, Rushmore movies, you know, or, you know, I, I, I looked at them kind of like almost like a mecca uh, movie that you would kind of, it, it's impacted your life in such a way and it's so important to you. And and I thought of the, like the mecca aspect of it, or the Rushmore aspect, which we would go to visit you and you kind of go back to it every so often. Mm-hmm. You know, these, 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 a lot of these movies that I on my list are movies that I will come back around to at times to experience or think about certain things. I don't know how you guys took your list. But I'm so interested to hear these. I'm, I'm so jazzed for this episode. So, Sam, why don't you lead us off? All right. So, I'm excited to be able to jump in here with my Washington movie, right? So, you know, truly there's only one movie that I can say has probably had the largest influence on my youth. Um, and it 
pretty if much. If he says Flash Gordon, unplug his mic. No. <laughs> and it brought me into nerdiness at the youngest of ages. And that's Star Wars A New Hope. Um, just, you know, every kid from my generation, as Dwayne is looking at me like you, Steeler, um, knew this galaxy far, far away. It captured our hearts. It captured our imaginations. It was this perfect synergy of character, plot, score, and of course, toys. Um, you know, I think at one point in my life, I could watch that movie and quote every line as the actors said them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know Empire is often held as the best of that original trilogy, but A New Hope will always hold that top spot in my nerdy little heart. So, Well, I've got to go now. <laughs> because you know sam sam has taken my washington uh, star wars a new hope you know this like you said it was the introduction to classic epic storytelling mm-hmm. for me you know you have your your arch enemies you, know, you have your your bad guys are all black your good guys are in the light side you have you know the faceless minions of the stormtroopers you know these big terrors the death stars and the star destroyers and stuff but it's was such an impact and such an imaginative storytelling. It was so beautiful, uh, masterfully done. But yes, a New Hope was definitely mine. It's not on mine. Sorry, guys. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. We, we've established though. I'm not at the same level of Star Wars fan that you guys are. I love Star Wars, but it's not doesn't have the same kind of central pl- place in my imagination that you guys do. I think I was probably like that little bit of age gap we have. Gap, yeah. yeah, I kept it from making the same impact on me that it's you guys but so my Washington pick is <laughs> one we reviewed on the show already uh, Flash Gordon most definitely not <laughs> oh I thought Flash Gordon I was hoping Flash Gordon so, some would compare the two though with levels of stupidity oh no oh. Big Trouble in Little China yes <laughs> my all time favorite movie and it's just so funny it's just and it's such a weird sense of humor that, that that movie has, um, and it, and I remember as a kid. I mean, I you all, you all haven't met my dad. My dad is was the king of eighties action movies. We watched them all, um, and I watched them all probably at way too young an age. But um, but this one stood out. It was just different. And even as a young, very you know young kid watching this, I knew this movie was different. Um, now, as an older person now, as an adult watching it, watch I can I can see what the differences were. But even like you know six year old kid, I knew. This ain't Commando. <laughs> it's different, you know? And I, and I love the way that they play, the, the, the way that Carpenter plays the action movie tropes. Like, Kurt Russell looks like the 80s action movie leading man, but he's completely incompetent. He's just a bungling idiot the whole movie. And he, he's really the sidekick, but mm-hmm. because they, but they're playing off our, you know, our assumptions and the, our, you know, preconceived notions of the way the thing should play out. And it's really Wang is the hero. But, you know, but it's just, I love the way they play with that. Um, and I love the imagination of the movie. Like it just, it was just, it was so different that it, it really just imprinted on me. Yeah, I remember when we reviewed that we had, I had such vague memories of it, and it was so vivid to you. And and so I, I got my copy and watched it. It's like well, this is a really <laughs> creative. It is so inventive and just so many things they threw in the in the in the walkable there. You know, <laughs> I think I compared it to that hot and spicy soup that you get, and every time you put your spoon in, you know, it's something different comes out. It's never the same thing. <laughs> Now, th- now, this was pre-Sammy joining the show, so have, yes. you, have you actually seen Big Trouble? I will admit, I have never seen 
we may have to do big a, trouble in little china do another i am not <laughs> so and it was that that was i was thinking that would be pre me as, as yeah. co-host here so yeah. i think it was our second episode wasn't it no uh, it no it was third fourth it was, it was early it was fairly early yeah it, it was early i listened to it <laughs> it was it was in the first 10 yeah. all right it uh, was in the first 10 so europe next with our president Jefferson. Jeff. All right, my my Jefferson pick is our inaugural episode, The Matrix. Um, I, and there may be a place for this later on in the show, but I don't care. It is there are there are days of the week you could catch me, and I would say that I like this more than Big Trouble. Um, I love The Matrix, and uh, and I, I think I remember it came out in '99, right? So I was I was 19 years old. I was a huge sci-fi fan, and I loved the sci-fi twist in this movie. Like it just got me thinking, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the, the world felt so real to Mr. Anderson, you know, but it wasn't what was real. And it was, he took the, the right pill and he learned the truth of everything. And I just, I just, and there's the, the action at that, at that time. I know everybody's copied it since, but that bullet time action stuff they were doing right. was so new and so innovative. It was just mind blowing. Mm-hmm. It is to this day. So the only movie I've seen twice in the theaters. Um, I don't. I don't do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm too. I'm too cheap to keep going back to the theaters. I can catch it on Blu-ray or Netflix or whatever. But I, I had to rewatch the Matrix. I'd never seen anything like it before, and uh, I just I love that movie. I love the, and the, and, the, and the story can really grab you. Like you want to you follow along with it, the, that entire crew of the Nebuchadnezzar, and you just care about those people. Yeah. And the way that the movie climaxes is just it's really powerful. I, I love the Matrix. Yeah, it was definitely a, a groundbreaking uh, idea. You know what's real, what's not. You know the bullet time, the creativity, the going in and out of the real world. You know, mm-hmm. as, as uh, Morpheus would tell us. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, going to go next here with uh, another very stylized movie that uses uh, some of the quote-unquote bullet time but i think this director has become pretty popular with that you know slow motion action superhero landing kind of thing it's a Zack snyder movie um, 300 um, this is a movie you know i'll grab a loincloth and a wooden club and a raw steak and sit there and just just gnaw on it while i'm watching but you know as visceral as this movie is as, as much grief as it gets for being you know just these stylized you know guys this is a movie that makes me think about you know, free will, destiny, uh, the human responsibility uh, of you know Le- King Leonidas as he's facing the Persians. What should he do? You know, when he asks his wife, "What should a king do?" She says, well, "What would a free man do to protect his land?" And you know, you see him taking this minuscule army, you know, three hundred Spartans, and I think they met up with. Uh, with maybe a, up to 1,200 other Greeks and defended this pass against this army of millions. And they, and they fought for three days down to losing almost every man, but the Persians still turned back. They said, you know, we're, we're, we're done with this. And, uh, you know, just, just that thought of, you know, free will, destiny, what is our responsibility in life? And that's, that's, that's where this movie puts me. You know, when I think about 300, you know, it's that, you know, everybody talks about, you know, Zack Snyder and and his slow motion and and things along those lines, right? But I think just the way that 300 is directed, it truly reflects the visceral nature of Frank Miller's graphic novel. Mm -hmm. And I think it works perfectly. Uh, And it's a really brings that in there. Yeah, it's a very accurate portrayal of the graphic novel. Mm -hmm. Well, I I think... 
I, I think Zack Snyder gets a lot of shade he doesn't deserve. Because um, I, I think one of the things that makes like you can tell a, a, a director is a, a really cr- creative with a, with a real vision is that you can always tell when you're watching one of their movies. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you always know when you're watching a Zack Snyder movie. I mean, he he's got a, he's got a real vision. Um, it's also I'll still true Michael Bay as well. Uh, sorry, <laughs> undermining my point a little bit. But. <laughs> I've liked more Zack Snyder movies than I haven't liked. Yeah. That's true. I think the only one I haven't seen is Sucker Punch, and for some reason they're in the in the middle of the the Snyder sauce, whatever. I missed that one. It's it's so. different. Yeah. It's not what you expect. Oh, my favorite's Man of Steel, but I know that's not a favorite among my co-hosts here. <laughs> oh no, I, I love Man of Steel. Watchmen's the one that put me oh. that that put Snyder on my radar, and now I went back to watch some of the other stuff. Oh, okay, but it was Watchmen that took me in. Uh, his. Uh, forget was it dawn of the dead when he remade the romero movie dawn of the yes dead was the first one. that's a really good movie. yeah that's a good yep um that's a good pull nice all right are we on to lincoln now oh, oh i've got my jeffers okay i wasn't sure we, yeah yeah i've got my and, and i'm glad we we kind of mentioned the whole comic book genre and jamie even mentioned the man of steel because we're actually my jefferson movie is going to be superman the movie um you know once again, you know, Star Wars kind of brought me in, but Richard Donner promised me that I would believe a man could fly, and I did. And despite my parents' panic, I tried on numerous occasions. <laughs> um, but, you know, Superman has always been one of my favorite comic book characters, and Christopher Reeve truly brought that character to life. Uh, that I know we've talked about the movie on on the, the podcast, you know, and but there's just so many memorable moments from that movie that I just remember and that stick with me. And it's every performance. It's it's you know him. You know it's, it's Paul Kent. It's it's Ford playing Paul Kent. Just that whole you know I don't know what you know what your reason for being here is, but I don't think it's to to you know kind of score touchdowns. That whole idea. You know, and as an impressionable kid who maybe wasn't the most athletic, that kind of made me kind of re—I guess reimagine. You know, maybe I could be something else. I don't have to be what everybody's kind of looking at, and and so that really kind of stuck out to me. Uh, that earnest nature of Clark Kent and Superman, and I know in today's world it it maybe feels cheesy, but but it's just something about it that that heartwarming, that earnestness. It just gelled with me, and. Um, you know, we were talking about Blockbuster. I actually have a pop art style poster um, that hung in a Blockbuster. If you remember going in Blockbuster, they had them all around the tops of their shelves. Mm-hmm. It's a it's two big pieces, and it's Christopher Reeve Superman. Oh, uh, nice. Somebody was selling it, and I was like, okay, I gotta have that. I got That's rid nice. of the 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 actually the the apparatus it was connected to because I just did not have room for it. Uh, but I kept the the two poster pieces. Eventually, I'll have them reframed and stuck on a wall somewhere. So, <laughs> I, see, I think though that even though we are in kind of a jaded age, I think I think we're still hungry for that that kind of person to look up to, the person of integrity. Because think about the response we've had to Steve Rogers, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Evans' portrayal of Captain America as this you know you know sort of bastion of integrity, of yeah. earnestness. Yeah. I mean, we're still hungry for that. We yeah. still look up to it. Um, and Superman the movie captures it. Powerful. Perfectly. Yeah, yeah. captured perfectly. That's why I have so much trouble with Superman now. He's a Boy Scout. He's not, you know, this emo-y, angsty kind of guy. 
of course you want to struggle with your identity, but Superman does it because it's what's right. Yeah. He's the Boy Scout. Yeah. Well, um, up next is our Lincoln Award, and I'm leading off with this one. I know Lincoln is rumored to have had a very shrill, unpleasant speaking voice, but he probably gave one of the most famous addresses of all time. You know, with the Gettysburg Address, four score and seven years ago. Oh, I thought you were going to say party on, dude. But, but. <laughs> well, that was, we'll get to that later. But, you know, my, my Lincoln pick it has a guy in it that we, we could I, we could probably all want to hear during a Lincoln speech. Morgan Freeman. Uh, my, my Lincoln pick is The Shawshank Redemption. Hmm. This is a movie I find myself going back to numerous times. Anytime I'm at somebody's house, they're flipping through the channels, you know, it's on a holiday, you know, he'll kind of wind up in the living room or the TV room flipping through. You know, Shawshank is always on TBS, TNT, something like that. Uh, But, you know, Tim Robbins, Morgan Freeman, you know, it's 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 kind of from a Stephen King prison story. A lot of dark in there, but, you know, it really exemplifies the perseverance of spirit. The... And also, in Morgan Freeman, I think you kind of have a little bit of an unreliable narrator. You know, everyone in here is innocent. He tells Tim Robbins, you know, nobody did it. We're all innocent in here. You know, but then then you have him narrating and telling the story and and how it pans out and how it works. Uh, This movie, uh, it doesn't get any better. doesn't get any better for me. Uh, So, Shawshank Redemption. I think it is, hands down, the best Stephen King adaptation. Oh, entirely. I don't think there's anything in the ballpark. No. Well, Road to, Road to Perdition is really good, but Shawshank is still head and shoulders above that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, plus it's just strong performances. Oh. You know, I mean, just tr- such strong performances in that movie. Yeah. And it just, and it sticks with you. Yeah. You know? uh, Tim Robbins is pretty memorable in high, <laughs> high fidelity. But <laughs> <laughs> it pulls back to Jim, yeah. But but I but I do, I do think that's it's my favorite Tim Robbins. Now this yeah this this is yeah there yeah Tim Robbins is in no other movie. But Shawshank to me, yeah, this is this is his career defining career, you know, pinnacle. Uh, watching him try to breathe through his eyelids in Bull Durham is pretty funny though. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember Bull Durham? Uh, no. Okay, Kevin Costner baseball movie. Yeah, don't worry about it. There's like five of them, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots, lots of options. something like that. <laughs> This one was with what uh, Susan Sarandon. Yeah. I think I think okay. I stopped after two of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so I guess for my Lincoln, I'm going a, a really different way. Um, you know, the first two movies were were things from my childhood, but my my third pick was a movie that came out long before I, I even my parents were born, uh, and that's Casablanca. Um, you know, that's probably not one that, that is going to pop up a whole lot on, on podcasts dealing with nerdy stuff. Okay. Um, but you know, the first time I ever watched it, I was like seventh grade and probably a weird time, but it just captured me the time period, the noir style of the filmmaking. Um, it was really unlike anything I'd ever seen. And then you, you start looking at all the characters that are showing up in Rick's place. I mean, you've got a cast like Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman, Claude Rains, the Invisible Man, come on, uh, Peter Lorre, Sidney Greenstreet. I mean, these are characters that show up. Um, and then you start thinking about the dialogue, right? All the dialogue that still is part of pop culture today will always have Paris. Uh, 
of all the gin joints in all the world, she had to walk into mine, right? Here's looking at you, kid. I mean, then you add the song as time goes by, and it's just such a memorable movie, and and it's just it just it's impactful, you know. And I just, I loved it, so and still do to this day. That would be an interesting to do on the show. I know it's not technically a nerdverse type movie, but I think it would be an interesting discussion. And I don't think we've done anything that old. No, how no. much cinema has been shaped from this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could imagine the Keanu connection. (laughs) (laughs) I think Jamie just rescinded his picks. Yeah, I'm I'm reconsidering my suggestion. No. Keanu watched Casablanca. (laughs) Keanu can spell Casablanca. (laughs) All right, well, uh, my Lincoln pick is another one that's... It was a game changer, but not (laughs) Casablanca's extent, I guess. Uh, The Born Identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that movie. Um, and like I said, I was, um, it's kind of like a similar sort of like era with the Matrix. I was still an impressionable young man. I was, I think, 21-ish, I think, when that came out. Um, I think I'll, also I learned something about myself as I was putting together this list. What I like, I like smart action movies. <laughs> <laughs> Almost the entire, everything we've got on this on this entire board are just smart action movies. Um, but The Born Identity is just, I, I love the the feel of it. I mean, it's got a real tone. It's, and it was a different... I'd never seen an espionage movie like The Born Identity before. And there's that slight little sci-fi twist on it, like the, the like stuff they where they've messed with their memories and where mm-hmm. they program people. It's got a slight little sci-fi angle to it. Um, or, or it kind of gives you the feel, I guess, more than the actual, you know, science fiction. But um, but the score is so good. And it was so different than that I'd... It just... I don't know. And the whole, the whole thing was just unique. Like, you know... Um, the I forget her name. The lady that plays Marie. Yeah. Um, she is not a Bond girl. Um, she's not an unattractive lady. I'm not saying that, but like, she's not the sort of stereotypical, you know, supermodel they stick in Bond movies. And um, I like the, the action is different. It's more subtle. It's more natural. Um, <laughs> they don't drive a Jaguar. They drive a Mini Cooper <laughs> in the chase scenes. Yeah. I just I'd never I'd never seen a spy movie like that before. Um, and <laughs> the movie has absolutely no glamour about it, but it completely changed what a spy movie could be. And there's there's before Born and after Born now. Yeah. Even the Bond movies have changed mm-hmm. to be more like Born. Um, and it's just and, and for me, as far as like as far as like that kind of movie goes, it's it's, it's the measuring stick. I mean, everything gets measured and compared to Born for me. Um, even some of the other Born movies. Mostly, mostly favorably. <laughs> most they hold. Most of them hold up. But Born Identity is just is a special movie to me, and it's infinitely rewatchable. And that, and that was an important criteria for me to getting on my Mount Rushmore. How rewatchable is it? How many times have I rewatched it? And so yeah, Born. There was a period it was almost on repeat. <laughs> yep. And you know, and, and I agree completely. You know, the Born, especially the, the the first movie, really redefined that genre. You know, when you originally, if you think about that spy espionage type of genre, you think of Bond, you think of The Saint, you think of uh, Man from Uncle, all those old television shows that that some of them were, were kind of brought from Britain and stuff like that into the States. And and it had its own thing, you know, and, and this completely set it apart and redefined what those types of movies could be. And I think that even affected, you know, or possibly could affect, you know, things like Black Widow, you know that as as it comes out, you know, eventually, um, to to finally 
you know, to kind of take some of that, you know, now in July, but whatever. But, you know, what if? So, but I do. I think it, it complete. it was a game changer. And I, and I don't I don't think Matt Damon had made an action movie before that. And he'd been in, you know, the movie with Robin Williams. I can't believe I'm forgetting. Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting, Good Talented Mr. Ripley, With Honors. I mean, those mm-hmm. kind of movies. He hadn't been in, like, he hadn't. Yeah, he wasn't the action star. Yeah, didn't know he could be <laughs> Jason Bourne. I don't know. I'm going to give my my best quote from Goodwill Hunting. You like apples? How about them apples? So, (laughs) (laughs) well, we're on to our Roosevelt pick now, or Roosevelt, depending on what part of the country you're from. Uh, Sammy, what's your Roosevelt pick? All right. So for this one, I I fell on another movie that we have uh, talked about on, on the podcast. And once again, you know, Jamie, you were talking about, you know, the rewatchability. Uh, how did this, did these movies impact us? You know, and, and Dwayne, we talked, you mentioned the same thing with, with A New Hope. You know, I think that my Roosevelt pick has to be Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Um, you know, I could not leave this movie off my list. It was the movie that made me fall in love with Middle Earth. Um and, and, you know, I, I've, I've said before, this was the movie that got me interested in reading Tolkien. Uh, I'd skipped out on a lot of that. You know, there was too much reading. I read panels, not pages. Uh, and so <laughs> this got me to actually want to explore Middle Earth. And, you know, from the, I mean, New Zealand is Middle Earth now to us. You know, there's those beautiful landscapes, the lighting, the, just the richness of the story, the, the excellent costuming. You know, if you asked me about Fellowship of the Ring, at, at one point I would have talked about Rankin and Bass, you know, honestly, and, and as Jamie Shivers. Um, but Peter Jackson's vision really just just wowed me. And then you add Howard Shore's score, I mean, right away. You know, you could listen to that on repeat. Just the sweeping strings backed up by that horn section in, in the Shire. It's just, it's amazing. Um so, you know, and it also never hurts that you have a heroic character named Sam. Uh, so, I'm good. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Well, I'll, I'll jump in next. Um, we cover, we've reviewed every one of my picks. <laughs> um, my last one is Midnight Special. Mm. Um, and it's just such a thought-provoking movie. And... I, I think if I'd seen it before I had kids, I would have. It wouldn't have impacted me the same way. Hmm. Um, but watching it, I think when it when it came out, I saw it for the first time. I think I had a kid the same age as Alton. I know you don't like the way it's pronounced in that movie, but, that, but that's how Michael it's Shannon it's says it's his it's name. It's um, and I and it, I just kind of immediately like it had me. Like we got to keep this kid safe because it was. I mean, I was I was Michael Shannon, and that was you know the we'll male version of my daughter. Here. Yeah, we got to keep him safe. Keep him okay. Um, it's such a thought-provoking movie. It makes you think about the nature of human relationships. And it makes you think about, like, what, 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 what would I not do to protect my child mm-hmm. in that scenario? And you think about the guy who's driving him. You know, what would, how far would I go to help a friend? Because that guy, I mean, what did he owe Michael Shannon? What did he owe Alton? He was right. just, he was a friend. Um, wh- would I be that kind of friend? Would I have that kind of willingness to sacrifice that much for someone else? And, and there's the... 
and there's the whole like thematic thing about having to because I think there is a lot of thematic stuff and they're about you know, raising your child and having to release them mm-hmm. to go off on their own adventure um, and it's and it's, a, it's one of those movies with a great sci-fi conceit to it you know Alton is this child of two worlds um, he's got powers and, and his this world is not really his home his home is another world it's another dimension um, and the performances are so great. Michael Shannon is gloriously weird in this movie. I mean, it's just, <laughs> he's so good. Yeah. Um, Adam Driver steals every scene he's in. Uh, it's a different brand of weird Adam Driver. Um, but the tone and the feel of the movie, um, it just really sucked me in. And it's one of those movies, I, I think maybe the most of any movie, that I forget the rest of the world exists while that movie's on. Yeah. Like, like they, they, there's like it's not, not only does it, does it pass the phone test like I'm not I forget that smartphones exist I mean I forget that anything anything else exists except what is happening in that story in that movie everything else just fades away um, it's probably the most gripping movie I've ever seen and uh, I just I love it <laughs> yep I think uh, I totally agree with you on that it is a very highly underrated movie it uh, really deserves a lot more traction than it's gotten I know it was a very, kind of a smallish budget um, if I'm not mistaken yeah, well uh, Nichols only makes indie movies yeah, yeah. I mean he's turned down Kevin Feige over and over again to right. make Marvel movies right so I mean but it's such a compelling story and the relationships are so perfect in that movie and the world is built so well yeah. Yeah. And and the in the ending is so powerful. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it makes <laughs> I've made this joke before. It makes my cold dead heart feel things. Right. Um, yeah. And I think I think I mean I think the first time I saw this movie, I forgot to breathe for what felt like thirty minutes. I mean, it was just so gripping and it was so like enthralling. What was happening? Mm-hmm. Like what is happening to this poor kid? How is this going to end? You know. And and there's the the whole we've we've reviewed this before, so we can do spoilers. But and that my and, that, and just the heartbreak that Michael Shannon doesn't get to see that he's not there when Alton has to, to transfer over. I mean, it's just such a powerful movie. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it, I'll stop you. I'm sorry. That's, no, that's fine. <laughs> it's a very, very powerful movie. Um, a movie uh, that's, that's my Roosevelt pick, I find it a very powerful movie. I, I, I was really at the point in my life when I saw it. You know, I know uh, life experience sometimes really shades and colors where we are, how we see movies. The point, the point in my life that I was when I seen this movie really grabbed me and kind of shook me to the core almost. A lot of people think this movie stars a plastic bag. There's a very small <laughs> scene in this movie. But, you know, according to some people, maybe the main one of the main actors who isn't really in vogue right now, Kevin Spacey, could have you know been replaced by the plastic bag. But I think he turns in a powerful performance. Uh, don't agree with him personally. This was way before that, but I still love this movie. American Beauty. Um, it's different as my hosts are looking at me strange. Mm-hmm. I told them they, they may not speak to me after this episode with some of my choices. <laughs> but, you know, this is a movie that it makes me think, you know, as he goes through his struggles, his little midlife crisis there, and, and he forgets what he has. He loses focus of his family. He loses focus of reality. But he finds a whole other part of himself. And he realizes how the two can coexist way too late, right at the end of the movie. And it just shows you how weird life can be and how much closed we are and how much we miss uh, because of our perceptions and you know the things we get obsessed with. Um, I, I just think this is a really uh, thought-provoking movie to me. It's one that I come back to time and time again. Very different. 
you, you've you've almost convinced me to watch it again because I watched it once and I did not enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> I, had a real, I had a real bad experience. Yeah, it's it's different. It and it, it wasn't. I don't think what it was as advertised. You know, it wasn't right. an as advertised movie. It's more of an examination of life and where you can find yourself and how you can lose yourself, and you know how emasculated he is and just going through day to day to day to day to day to day and the bad decisions he makes you know with with his job and and uh, you know people around him and the way that that all comes together to the end uh, when he finally has his epiphany but then it's too late but has the rest of his family and the rest of the neighborhood kind of even seen what they have or where they're at and the true meaning of what's important to us you know, I always kind of make a comparison with that movie to uh, Death of a Salesman. You know, it's that kind of idea. You know, that that who are you and, and what is your purpose? And, and, you know, we all sometimes question that, mm-hmm. you know. And I think as, as we get older, you know, our idea of who we are changes. Yeah. And sometimes you, you try to get back what you were. And to me, that that's really what Spacey's character was trying to do, is get back to something that he thought he had lost. You know, and like I said, I always think about Death of a Salesman and, and, and those types of things. And when the beauty was truly all around him. Yeah, exactly. All right, you're working hard to convince me. <laughs> We're almost across the finish line. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, that was our main Rushmore experience. But, you know, now that we're up on the hill, now that the cold Dakota wind is blowing down from Canada into our faces, you know, we can almost smell Alaska, the bastion of the U.S. beyond those weird French Canadians. Let's take a look at some honorable mentions that didn't quite make the mountain. Take a trip down memory lane to the old five and dime where Sammy aka comic book kid takes a look at the origin of some of our favorite heroes and villains in his podcast one thin dime focusing on the golden and silver ages of comics when the cover price was just 10 cents check him out every week on your podcast feed of choice one thin Dime. Well, I've got a gigantic list here, and unfortunately, the way that things panned out, I'm going first. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I don't know. You want me to read the whole list? Let's let's round round and round because I think we each have a couple. And okay. You can, you can you can maybe you know interject some and hit a, hit a couple. Maybe you can do like two or three to. <laughs> okay. Well, my my closest runner up was Into the Spider Verse. Hmm. Um, and which is weird for me because I don't normally like animated stuff. I mean, it's not my jam. I mean, I occasionally I'll, I'll catch some here and there, but I mean, it's I've had a few good experiences with my kids, like some mm-hmm. movies that were smarter than they needed to be. <laughs> um, but I, I love that movie, and that I mean, I, I liked Miles in the comics. I mean, I've read Miles Connolly in the comics, I, I like him, but something about the way they you know, tweaked that kid to put him in that movie, the way they made him, you just made you care about that poor kid and what he's going through. And they get you on his side. And, and the, the animation style is so creative and it's so different. Um, and the way they, they work so hard to change the frame rate and the way they, 
um, made some of the art like go sideways a little bit and be off to, to sort of you know give you the feel of older comics even. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just such a, an innovative and just creative way to make an. I'd never seen an anime like that before. And then just the weird thing of all the different spider people and. <laughs> It's just I love that movie. Um, yeah, it, it was it was it was a, it was a close contender. Yeah, that movie is a ton of fun. Um, I love the blending, like you said, the blending of animation styles. How you have some kind of anime, some you know yeah. digital animation, some yeah. you know purely comic books, some really cartoony stuff. And uh, you know when I seen that movie, uh, I'd seen it at a local theater. It's kind of notorious for poor quality <laughs> and I, 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 I you nudged over to my wife I'm like is this supposed to be in 3D and we didn't get the glasses <laughs> or is something weird here you know but then you know after seeing you know watching the movie on and seeing what it is it's it was really really brilliantly done now that was um, the like I think it was, I forget the right term you're, you're a comic book historian Sammy like that was offset printing right when the things would be offset mm-hmm. that, that happened a lot in the 70s didn't it yeah yeah, and, that, and that's well. part of why. I mean, because this is weird little things where the color doesn't yeah, match up right. Like, like, is yeah. this section supposed yeah. to be in yeah. 3D and everything else not, or is there was the whole movie supposed to be in 3D and I missed something, or you know? And and, and you would see that a lot more in smaller publishers, uh, Charlton Comics. You would see those types of things. Some of the the, the smaller press stuff, uh, you would see those things. Yeah. But it just—it just. I, mean, I know we're going too long for an honorable mention, but like, I just—it made. It, it, I never seen anything that like that was actually just a motion comic, that had like was still an animated movie, but still had the feel. Yeah. Of yeah. a comic book. And yeah, that, there, there's nothing that looks like that. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing that looks like that. No, and 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 I think didn't it win an Academy Award for best animated so. film. I think, I think oh, yeah. it did. So I mean, it, it was innovative in that. Yeah. I think it was nominated for editing too, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Yep. Well, my pick, um, one of my honorable mentions, is definitely not a comic book, and it's definitely not family friendly. But you know, this is a movie that it impacted me. Like I said, a really uh, specific age, and I think I've got a couple of those right through right through this section as I'm looking at my honorable mentions. They're pretty <laughs> pretty heavy in that era. But uh, a movie that made me look at reality was Fight Club. And, you know, this This is a movie we've talked about. We can't really review this on our family-friendly <laughs> show. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm going to throw it in here as an honorable mention. I'm, I'm going to use this for some of those. But, you know, you have Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, brilliant. I mean, put these two guys together, especially being the same person. Uh, you know, you can't go wrong. This uh, really, I think, shook a lot of people up at Fight Club. Hmm. Well, you know, one of my honorable mentions probably isn't uh, – so family friendly either and probably we couldn't do it but it's uh john carpenter's halloween Mm. the original halloween michael myers um because i really think that that was a moment you know when we talk about movies that change you know that was the prototype for all of the slasher flicks that really came later on you know i think without michael myers we would not have had you know Jason Voorhees become what he was. I mean, face it, the first Friday the 13th was the mother, you know, kind of deal. Um, and this, even the little things, the little motif, the little motif and piece of music for Michael, you know, that is just, you know, that John Carpenter was just playing around with and came up with to stick at the end of the movie kind of deal. You know, those things to me were really important. It stuck out. You know, this is, you know, one of those movies every October I have to watch it. You know, it is, it's on play at least once during the month of October. 
Uh, okay, my, my next one is uh, also another we probably can't do on the show. Um, Army of Darkness. Oh, God. I love Army of Darkness. <laughs> it's just delightfully weird, over the top, and just bonkers. And it's Bruce Campbell at his finest. Is it your boomstick? <laughs> <laughs> I prefer the chainsaw. <laughs> Uh, I had a buddy in college. This was like a, one of our favorite movies. And we, we could virtually do the entire movie. Every line, every quote. It was... Uh, I, I can't I can't tell you how many times I've watched Army of Darkness. You know, I was a lot older when I saw Army of Darkness. I, I watched Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2. Uh, but Army of Darkness completely missed me for some reason. So I was much later on before I watched that one. But I loved it when I finally did. Oh, yeah. It's a ton of fun. I saw it first. And then went back and watched the Evil Dead movies. <laughs> that would be an experience. <laughs> it was. It's weird. <laughs> I actually had a roommate who was really into them. And he explained to me the whole Necromicon. And we watched Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, which is essentially the same movie. And then <laughs> Army of Darkness just over the course of a couple of days, uh, you know, while burning steaks and, and uh, other things. Uh, <laughs> my, my next honorable mention... Uh, is another one of those that we can't really talk about a lot, but and it's kind of the same era as Fight Club, but this movie really exemplifies the masterfulness of nonlinear storytelling. And I know a lot of people really give it a hard time, and a lot of people the first time or two, they watch it like, what in the heck did I just see? And it's a lot of language, there's a lot of violence, but Quentin Tarantino done, uh, really shook things up with Pulp Fiction. And I find myself going back to it a lot, you know. And of course, it reintroduces John Travolta, mm-hmm. and to a lot of people, introduced Sam Jackson. So that's where we got our Mister Fury. Oh yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll throw out my last honorable mention here. Um, I think we went long. Do we need to hurry up? Let's roll a little bit. Okay. Um, bit. Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. The fourth movie of the original series. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And even though Charlton Heston is not in this one, we do have Ricardo Maltabon. I, mm-hmm. I think I said his last name wrong, but you know what I'm talking about. Mal- Colin. Maltabon. Um, I love that one. And it's, it's I think of the, of the original five, it's the most distinct of the bunch. And it's when things sort of go haywire and it becomes the planet of the apes. And it's a very different story than what we see in the new trilogy. Yeah. And it's just, it's in, it's a different kind of intense. Um, and I just, I love it. I mean, and it's of, of the, of those old movies, it's my favorite and it's one of my favorite movies. I just, I love it. And I think it's the, probably the most rewatchable of the original ones. Are those streaming anywhere? Probably on HBO Max or everything else seems to be. Everything else about. seems to be there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I need to. I need to. I need to get back into the old ones and, and even the new ones. But I, I think I want to watch the old ones first. I may try to go a chronological binge through and even throw the Burton one in there, just to keep it interesting. <laughs> no. Um, well, my last um, honorable mention is a, a TV show that I've kind of gushed about a time or two on the show, and it's it's an old show. It's not on anymore, but you can find. I think it's on Prime, if I'm not mistaken. If not, I know it, it aired on Showtime, so it should be on your Showtime app if you have that. But it's called Dead Like Me. Uh, Mandy Patinkin, Jasmine Guy, Ellen Muth, uh, Kalen Blue, uh, a lot of different characters in there. And play a little group of Grim Reapers in kind of a, you're not sure if it's Seattle or, or Philadelphia, but kind of one of those kind of suburban areas. And it, they still have to have jobs. They still have to go around their day-to-day life. 
but they get a little post-it note and they have to be somewhere and find somebody with that last name at the time listed on the note and remove their soul from their body. And in some cases, even escort them to their lives, you know, to their afterlife. And the adventures that ensue and how they cope with, you know, being dead. Some of them since, uh, you know, before the, the, the 20s, uh, or a couple of them, uh, I think, were uh, one of them's an, like a 40s movie actress. Another one died during the civil rights movement. Another one was a drug dealer. And then the star of the show, she was like just turned 16 and, you know, died. And she has to cope with life after death it's a very very interesting take it's only for two seasons but they're a ton of fun so check that out dead like me cool very nice very nice um i will throw one more in um (laughs) and that's once again right about this time of year i'm gonna be watching the sandlot Mm. uh sandlot is one of my kickoffs to baseball season every year so uh definitely be hitting that one yeah, this sandlot's great. Love it. Well, as we always do on our show, everything has to come back around to our Keanu Reeves. Maybe one day we've already had an actor being president. So maybe one day, if he ever takes a notion, I'm sure he could probably drum up enough support to be the man on the seat. And perhaps he would be so great as to be on the Mount Rushmore but we're going to pretend he's already been and he's already (laughs) up there for this case guys I know we've talked about presidents I know presidents have a lot of things that they have to get through a lot of legislative orders to sign I'm going to bet some of our Keanu connections to this are going to be the same so I'm going to start off and I'm going to name one first and I want Jamie and then Sammy to go and if it's the same on your list somewhere just say here, here, <laughs> and we'll and we'll move on. And and at the end, after we've all kind of went around there, we'll we'll s- pick up any that have been kind of strays. But I'll start off. Bill and Ted didn't make mine. Didn't make yours. Bill and Ted. Here, here. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Matrix. Here, here. Here, here. <laughs> Bram Stoker's Dracula. Didn't make mine. Nope. Wow, this is very interesting. <laughs> wow, so we've got Bill and Ted in the Matrix on here. So I'm going to go next with John Wick. I recently seen this, and man, Keanu is the action star, even today. He You're is, here. He is the action star. Still haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, point break. Not on mine. How dare you? Um, hardball. Not all mine. Well, there's a lot, there's a big a big shift here. It's a good one though. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, I love it when you call me Big Pop. <laughs> 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 oh my, the Devil's Advocate. That was my closest runner-up. It didn't make my he no, is, my counterpart in that one. Yeah. What else do you have? Okay, my my last one on on my Mount Rushmore here was Speed. Speed. That's I good. Love Speed. Sam. Wouldn't on my list, but yeah, speed's great. 
Do you have know. any more that wasn't on No, that, 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 um, that kind of did me. Okay. I'm surprised we didn't have more crossover there as well. That's very interesting. We have a broad spread mm-hmm. of the Keanu there. So I wanted to say Constantine just to troll Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> At one time, I would have said Constantine. Then I saw Matt Ryan in the part. And I'm like, no, that's Constantine. So. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, guys, that was our Rushmore episode. I hope we have maybe turned you on to something new or reinvigorated a movie into your uh, memory and, and thoughts that you might want to revisit. Or you know maybe had something that you had kind of threw some shade at, but might want to check out again, give it a second chance from a nerd's point of view. Coming up on our next quest, Sammy. All right. So our next quest, you know, we're, we're known for doing sequels. But this is the sophomore movie of one M. Night Shyamalan, or however you want to say his name. All right? And that is Unbreakable. And think about it. How do you follow up The Sixth Sense? Well, you recast Bruce Willis in another role. Um, And this time, he's a street-level dude with superhuman abilities. And then you put Sam Jackson as the opposing force. Automatically, you got a movie that's right up my alley. Yeah, it's great. This, this, I don't think uh, you're going to find very many people who are going to uh, dispute that. And if you do, you can, you know, send Sammy an email <laughs> and and acknowledge that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but now, uh, Unbreakable, yeah, uh, Sam Jackson and Bruce Willis, directed by M. Not Shyamalan, um, is phenomenal. Phenomenal. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, this movie is. Uh, not streaming for free on any of the services that I could find. If you can find that, please let us know. Uh, it's uh, available to rent in most places I saw for around the four buck range. Uh, and you know, if it's not on your shelf, maybe not a bad idea to drop the jingle on this thing and and make that amend. It's worth having around. It's, it's it's really yep. as as you know, it's worth having around. But uh, as we prepare to watch Unbreakable with our Nick Fury and um, John McClane in here. Uh, Jamie, what are we going to do? We're going to dodge weird comic book shop owners as we keep it nerdy. (laughs) 